Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Vyaja Jajanika Satayutai Akranta Bhuri Bharashena Brahmanam Saranam Jajo. Once when Mother Earth was overburdened by hundreds of thousands of military phalanxes of various conceited demons dressed like kings, she approached Lord Brahma for relief. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. When the world is overburdened by unnecessary military arrangements, and when various demoniac kings are the executive heads of state, this burden causes the appearance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As the Lord says in Bhagavad Gita, Yadha Yadha Hidharamasya Glanir Bhavati Bharata Abhyutanam Adharamasya Tadatmanam Srijamyaham. Whenever and wherever there is a decline in religious practice, O descendant of Bharat, and a predominant rise of irreligion, at that time I appear myself. When the residents of this earth become atheistic and godless, they descend to the status of animals like dogs and hogs and thus their only business is to bark among themselves. This is dharmasya glani, a deviation from the goal of life. Human life is meant for attaining the highest perfection of Krishna consciousness. But when people are godless and the presidents or kings are unnecessarily puffed up with military power, their business is to fight and increase the military strength of their different states. Nowadays, therefore, it appears that every state is busy manufacturing atomic weapons to prepare for a third world war. Such preparations are certainly unnecessary. They reflect the false pride of the heads of state. The real business of a, the real business of a chief executive is to see to the happiness of the mass of people by training them in Krishna consciousness in different divisions of life. Chaturvanya mayastristam gunakarma vibhagasha. A leader should train the people as Brahmins, Kshatriyas, Vaishyas, and Shudras and engage them in various occupational duties, thus helping them progress toward Krishna consciousness. Instead, however, Rogues and thieves in the guise of protectors arrange for a voting system and in the name of democracy they come to power by hook or crook and exploit the citizens. Even long, long ago Asuras, persons devoid of God consciousness became the heads of state and now this is happening again. 
the various states of the world are preoccupied with arranging for military strength. Sometimes they spend 65% of the government's revenue for this purpose. But why should people's hard-earned money be spent in this way? Because of the present world situation, Krishna has descended in the form of the Krishna consciousness movement. This is quite natural. For without Krishna consciousness movement, the world cannot be peaceful and happy. Translation. Once when Mother Earth was overburdened by hundreds of thousands of military phalanxes of various conceited demons dressed like kings, she approached Lord Brahma for relief. Om Gyan Timidandasya Gyananjana Chalakaya Chakshur Umilitam Jina Tasmoy Sri Guruve Namah This is here addressed as our mother. This is not simply a figurative statement, but it is literal. A mother is one who provides, protects the child. The mother is that person more than anyone else that the young child depends upon for everything necessary for one's life, for one's security, and for one's happiness. The mother is the one who supports, protects, provides and nourishes the child within her own very womb. If we understand what, it, what the true position of mother is toward the child, we will find that we are all children and the earth is the mother for all of us. Because within her womb we are all being nourished. She is providing all protection. She's providing the wood of the trees to build our homes. She's providing the minerals. She's providing Ah, all of the food to nourish us. And she is also at all times maintaining us within her very womb. 
So factually, we are all exactly in the position of baby children in the womb of our Mother Earth, being nourished, being protected by her motherly affection. Now, of course, especially here in the great land of Bharat Varsha, India, and in all civilized cultures of the world, there's a great emphasis on respecting one's mother. We do not respect one's mother. We are uncivilized, uncultured, and irreligious. Because if the mother is providing, nourishing, protecting, doing so much for you, it is simply an act of being ungrateful and offensive if we do not reciprocate by offering proper respect. Even in the Western world, where people are not very respectful at all times because there's not much culture there. If someone is the worst possible person, the worst insult you can give that person is you would kill your own mother. If you say that to a person, it means war you're going to make a lifelong enemy with that person. He'll never forgive you if you say that. You would spit on your own mother. You would kill your own mother. It's the absolute insult. Because how much grateful, thankful, the duty of every living being is to the mother that without, you could not be existing today. You could not be alive today. Therefore, Srila Chanakya Pandit, in order to give a sense of dignity to the woman class, he has said that you should treat and see every woman other than your wife as your own mother. Today all over the world there's this great campaign for women's liberation. Why? Because women have been exploited, mistreated and disrespected because physically they're a weaker sex. And the ambitions and the um, tendency to lord it over, to control, to exploit for sex life. Women have been trampled upon, disrespected, and exploited, especially in recent times, terribly. Therefore, women want liberation now. They want equal rights, equal job employment all of these things. But however much they get, they'll never be satisfied because they're still going to be exploited until men 
accept the verdict of Chanakya Pandit. See every woman, accept your wife as your mother. Treat them with all respect, with honor, with dignity. And of course, according to the Shastra, the most important of all of our mothers is the earth. Because even when your present family mother leaves this world and dies, you will still be nourished and protected by the womb of Mother Earth. She's the one mother that will never leave you, that will protect you, protect your children, protect your grandchildren, nourish your great-great-grandchildren and all of your descendants for all time to come, they will all be protected, maintained, and nourished by Mother Earth. And therefore, to live in respect and harmony with the Earth is one of the most basic principles of civilization. And to exploit the Earth means to exploit the very resources that you and all humanity and all, all living beings are utterly depending upon. There was a beautiful letter written by a Native American Indian chief. The American Indians, in their religion, they very, very highly recognized their dependence on Mother Earth and great emphasis on respecting and living in harmony with nature in order to reach God. So at that time, the white people from Europe, they came into the what is now United States, America, Canada, South America, and they simply wanted to control and take over because they had stronger armies, bigger weapons. They wanted their land. They wanted their homes. They wanted their women. They wanted everything. And they were building all sorts of, gradually as time was going on, industries and technologies. And they were killing the buffaloes. And they were using the land for all sorts of sinful purposes. And this one Native American chief, his name was Seattle, he wrote a letter to, at that time, the President of the United States, President Franklin Pierce. And he told him that you are asking us to move and you say that you'll give us some money to go to a different place. But what is this nonsense? This land belongs to God. It is not mine to sell and it is not yours to buy. You are an utter illusion. If you ex have you created this land? Can you maintain it? All you can do is destroy it. That's all you people have shown me that you can do is destroy what God has given. 
and you're thinking it's ours to buy and sell? You want to buy and sell the sky? You want to buy and sell the sun? You want to buy and sell the moon, the rivers, the lakes, the ocean, the earth? Our relationship with the natural resources that God has given us is simply to live in harmony for Him. But I warn you that Mother Earth, like your womb, she's also your bed. You're resting, you're sleeping in her. And if you contaminate your own bed, let me warn you, for the rest of your life and all of your descendants, you're going to have to sleep in that contamination. What you do to the earth is what you do to humanity. Because the earth is our mother. In the Shastra, they, it is said we have seven mothers. One's mother coming through family connection, the wife of Brahmins, the wife of Guru, the nurse that brings you up in the world, uh, the cow, what else? Huh? The wife of the king and the earth. So here we find, and we find this in many of the great avatars of the Lord, when Mother Earth is being so much exploited and insulted and misused and disgraced by her own children, she herself approaches in her personified form the Supreme Personality of God. Right now, in today's society, Srila Prabhupada is explaining here, the political leaders are of such a greedy, political, and selfish mentality that they're destroying human life. Not only human life, but all life. Through their unnecessary meddling with nuclear energy, they're filling the earth with nuclear waste. And they know it's just a matter of time till it all leaks out and all food on earth will become radioactive and poison. If you poison the earth, you poison you, your children, your friends, and every living being. Water is one of the most essentials. You cannot live without water because of the pollution in most places in the world the rain is acidic it's full of poisons and chemicals and therefore I know in the Western world I don't know so much here but it is a it is a scientific scientific medical prophecy that in the generation that we're now living in not future the people who are now in this generation one out of three will die of cancer. Why is that? Because if you pollute your mother, 
She cannot provide for you properly and you have to die. There's no alternative. One of the most precious gifts of the earth is air. It's like we have a respected guest here who is a yoga teacher. And he is, he can tell you how through pranayam, you can, through simply inhalation and exhalation of air in proper ways, you could nourish every cell of your body for long life, for health, for mental energy, which opens the doors to spirituality. But now, in many of the most advanced cities in the world, from time to time, people have to actually wear oxygen masks. Because there's no oxygen in it. It's all being destroyed by pollution. Because people are so greedy to go here and there so fast for more money, for more prestige, for more sense gratification. And what about water? Just to drink water? The largest growing industry in the world is bottled water. I remember living in a place like Chicago. This is even years ago. There was a massive lake, Lake Michigan. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of square miles. And it's a lake which originally was all crystal clear, pure water. You could use it for everything and anything. Now, not only can you not drink it, you cannot even swim in it, because you'll get skin diseases. And practically all the fish in it are dead. And if you want water, through the piping systems, they take that water and they add all sorts of cancerous chemicals to it. So now, although everyone in the city is living right on the banks of this gigantic lake, you can't even see the ends or the width of it, or the depths, they have to spend their hard-earned money importing water from six, seven hundred miles away by trucks. And God knows how long that water will remain pure and fresh with everything going into the ground. Yoga means union. Yoga means harmony. Harmony with our father and harmony with our mother. When we learn to live in harmony with Mother Earth, naturally we also learn to live in harmony with our father, Krishna. And because Krishna is so merciful, so kind, and so compassionate upon all the creatures of this earth, he wants us all to have a life of happiness, joy, and prosperity. We see when the king is a good king, he performs proper sacrifice. He teaches people how to live in harmony with God's laws. At the time of Yudhisthira, in the time of Pariksit, 
in the time of Lord Ram, we find the whole kingdom is flourishing. The earth provides abundance of everything. Incredible jewels just everywhere. Fresh waters, no droughts, no earthquakes. We see that there's cyclones, there's earthquakes, there's volcanoes, there's tornadoes, there's floods, there's epidemics. These are all simply the reactions of Mother Earth striking back at humanity. If you misuse your mother enough, she's going to slap you. Is she not? Right now we're getting slapped. The whole human race is getting slapped by all these terrible problems. And here we find that despite so many slaps and so many warnings, due to the greed of the political leaders and due to the greed of the various leaders of all fields of society, including in many cases religious leaders, nobody is willing to hear the warning. They're making things worse and worse and worse. Therefore, there's only one solution, Krishna consciousness. And here we find the same thing Srila Prabhupada is explaining that is happening today was happening to an even greater degree 5,000 years back. When King Kamsa, Jarasandha, Shishupal, all these, Shishupal was not yet, but Jarasandha, Kamsa, all these greedy, greedy, powerful demons were taking the posts of the exploiters and manipulators and controllers of society and building gigantic military arrangements. Does that sound familiar? In Iraq, in Iran, in India, in America, in Pakistan, in South Africa, all over the world we find the greatest emphasis is simply military power and control, building armies. I was just in Israel, and men, women, it's mandatory. When you reach a certain age, you're drafted and you go in the army. It's just a tiny little country with only a few people, and most people that you see, literally, when you walk down the street, the most common person to see are soldiers with full military uniforms carrying machine guns. You'll never see a soldier without a high-tech machine gun in their hands, ready to fire. And in other places, they're a little more sophisticated in the sense that their military people are undercover. They have a suit and tie, but they have a high-powered pistol underneath where you can't see. And the armies are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Prabhupada says 65% of most national budgets are simply to build weapons. And this was written about 15 years ago. Now it's probably 80%. It is a fact that in America alone, 
they spend $1 billion a day, $1.2 billion a day on military. If they just gave the Krishna Consciousness Movement what they spend in a half hour of one day, we can build the most beautiful temple in all the world. Huh? But of course, they won't even consider that because that half hour is too precious to build tanks and nuclear bombs and, and equip the soldiers and so forth. So here we find Mother Earth. She is coming and pleading, taking shelter of Krishna. Save me. Save my children. Actually, it's very similar. You know the story of Uttara. When Ashwatthama, through the, he, was, he was the son of Drona, but he was very, acting in a very, very demoniac capacity. And he threw his Brahmastra weapon at um, the child, Parikit, within the womb of Uttara. And the mother, how much the mother loves the child? The child didn't know who is Krishna. The child didn't know where to turn. It was the mother that cried out, Krishna, save my child. She knew that she would not be harmed. But in helpless, desperate love, she just cried out for Krishna, please save my child. I love him. He's in danger. And Krishna appeared within the womb, right before the eyes of Maharaj Pariksit, who was just the little embryo. And when he saw Krishna, the beauty and the mercy this wonderful form of Godhead. First of all, he understood that Krishna has saved my life. He has brought me back to life. And not only that, how beautiful, how effulgent, how merciful. When he came out of the womb, he was simply interested in Krishna. And that was all by his mother's mercy. If she did not call for Krishna, he would have just been an ordinary child. So this is the responsibility of the mother and the father. Kitana says, When the child is in the womb, if the mother is Krishna conscious, if the mother is exposing the child to the holy name, to the association of devotees, nice Krishna Prasad, she's doing the same thing Uttara did. She's giving her child Krishna from the womb. And when he comes out, he's going to be looking for Krishna. But if the mother just lives a so-called normal life in this world, she's cheating the child. She's, she's depriving the child of its, of its real glory and joy. Krishna consciousness. So in the same way that Uttara called out for Krishna, save my children, they're about to be, he's about to be exploited by this demon. The same way Mother Earth is approaching the ocean of, approaching Lord Brahma, because she knows that Brahma has that direct connection to Krishna. She's approaching through disciplic succession. 
Even Mother Earth does not approach God directly. But to speak of us, we want to be God conscious directly. It is said in the scripture you must accept, understand God through the Guru who comes in disciplic succession. Even Mother Earth follows this principle. She approached Lord Brahma. Save my children. They're being exploited by the demons of this world. Save them. And of course, Lord Brahma, feeling pity, he called upon Lord Krishna. We are about to read. By chanting the Purusha shook the prayers of the demigods and by the meditation of Lord Brahma, they are about to invoke the sympathy and the compassion of the Supreme Personality of God. So somehow or other, Prabhupada is explaining, we must have the conviction within our own lives that Krishna consciousness is not just something that we like to do. but it is the absolute necessity for human civilization to exist with any values, any goals. It is the absolute necessity to counteract the condition of utter suffering and disgrace on every level, physical, mental, and spiritual. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada used to plead with us. He would beg his disciples, his followers, or his congregational members kindly help this great mission of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It is the dire, urgent need of humanity on this earth today. And what does it mean to be Krishna conscious? What is he talking about? He's not talking about simply joining a sectarian movement. He's explaining the necessity adopting this consciousness and spreading this divine consciousness to others. And what is that consciousness? To learn how to live in harmony with the laws of God. To learn how to love God. To learn how to serve God. To learn how to respect, adore, and with all humility offer all the facilities of this earth in Krishna's service. At the Rainbow Gathering in America, people are very earth conscious because they, as far as they could see, they're not so transcendent, but they're pious. They can see that as long as man is exploiting and destroying the earth, he's destroying all the good qualities within and without. There's no chance of even survival. We are explaining to them that if you really want to truly be a good servant of the earth, you must understand what Mother Earth's consciousness is herself, that she is the eternal servant of Krishna. She is the property of Krishna. She is the mother in this symbolic representation. And Krishna is the father 
and she is a chaste and faithful mud wife. And like Sita, the only way to please Sita is to please Ram, to bring her back to Ram. So everything that is on this earth, all the facilities that we have are provided by her. And she has one pointed desire, that all of these gifts that she is producing be offered to her beloved Krishna. That nothing be utilized for any other purpose except the service of the Lord. Therefore, Krishna consciousness, Jivara Swarupoy Krishna Das, to use everything in the service of Krishna is the ultimate philanthropic, ultimate spiritual, ultimate welfare on every level, including ecology. All of these ecologists who are speaking about purifying the water and nourishing the earth and cleaning the air, it's all bogus and nonsense if they're not Krishna conscious. Why? They're just going to try to make everything clean and then what? exploit that for their own sense gratification without relationship to its source, to Krishna. It's all nonsense. It's all karmic. Therefore, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur used to say, there is only one problem in this entire creation, a lack of Krishna consciousness. Where there's Krishna consciousness, automatically, naturally, everything will be purified, everything will be respected and everything will be utilized for the glory of God and the uplifting of humanity. But without Krishna consciousness, without understanding Bhoktaram Jagatapasam Sarva Loka Maheshwaram Suhridam Sarva Bhutanam Gyatvamam Shantim Rachchati Krishna says, I am the proprietor of everything that exists. And all things are meant ultimately for my satisfaction, for my enjoyment, to be utilized in my service. All sacrifices are meant to be performed for my pleasure. When we understand this, only then can there be peace in our lives. Because without this we're living an unnatural existence, even if we're in the mode of goodness, trying to make the fresh, pure, and wholesome. If we're exploiting those nice things for our own sense gratification, we're creating We're still disgracing Mother Earth. She's, everything she's doing, she's growing it, she's manifesting it for Krishna. And we're stealing it away and taking it for our own sense enjoyment. Is that the way a son to treat the mother? Son who should assist the mother in the service of the father. Yes, Mother Earth, you are providing these nice fruits. Let me offer it to Krishna. Mother, you are offering this nice grain. Let me offer it to Krishna. This nice tree. Srila Prabhupada said one of the worst offenses in the whole earth is that man is murdering, 
millions of trees to use for paper for pornographic and mundane literature. It's confirmed. Huh? But at the same time, if that tree is being used to print the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavad Gita, or some very, very pure spiritual subject matter, that is the glory and the love of that tree to give her body for Krishna. Mother Earth is providing so many resources. Simply take whatever resource we have and offer it to Krishna. That is natural life. That is harmonious life. That is a life of that will lead to inner and outer prosperity. And that is Krishna consciousness. And that is the great need in society. But that cannot take place unless we first change our hearts. Unless there's a change of heart, all the other changes are simply superficial. They're just a show. It's like you can say to someone, I love you, but in your heart if you hate them, what does it mean? What, what will that love accomplish? What joy will be derived from that? Huh? What service can be rendered in that situation? But if you actually love somebody in your heart, then my God, there'll be no greater joy, no greater pleasure, no greater service rendered than in that condition. Until we learn to change our hearts, to become freed from this exploited, greedy nature of exploiting the resources of God and our own mother, until we learn how to love God and utilize all the gifts of God and the earth in his loving service, then we're just a part of this massive, corrupt, polluted problem. Therefore, Lord Sri Krishna and all the great acharyas, they are all echoing the same message. And Krishna himself came on earth recently, only 500 years ago, to expound this same divine message. Cheto darpana marajanam bhava mahadavagni nirvapana. The process of how to change your heart to live in harmony with God's laws and God's love. And that is to attentively chant the holy names. Srila Prabhupada used to say that the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra is the panacea cure for all the ills of society. Because it creates a transformation, a purification of the heart. Where we could live in oneness. In oneness with the will of God. In oneness with the love Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Is there any questions?
<laughs> Yesterday's class, all right, go on. <laughs> separate the sincere from the insincere. To not give anyone entrance into pure bhakti unless they really want it more than anything else. So in this sense, Maya is actually our friend. Because she's protecting Krishna's abode from insincere souls. And also, by her temptations upon us. If we're sincere, we'll fall into her grasp. But if we are sincere, we'll become stronger by passing that test. We'll come closer to Krishna, much closer than if she never had tested us. Hmm? So we should actually thank the Lord, because actually Maya is his energy. It's not something separate. It's his energy in this world to make the devotees better to devotees and to make the rascal people better rascals. But eventually, by suffering as a rascal long enough, they're going to want to become better devotees. So really, she's here to bring everyone back to Krishna. In Immediately she's here. The immediate reason is to take everyone away from Krishna, but actually... Maya is not so... She's not so bad. She's my friend. I don't need Krishna so much. We'll just become ritualistic and superficial. Krishna wants you to surrender from the bottom of your heart to call out for his mercy. Huh? Unless you understand through experience and realization the power of Maya, you'll never do that. So actually she's helping you. Huh? Just like in athletics, 
Sometimes the, the instructor or the coach will just work you so hard that you just drop in total exhaustion and you can't do anything. And you start saying, what this guy, what is he doing? He's crazy. He's, I can't even, my arms and legs are so sore and I'm so tired. You can't do anything for weeks. Hmm? But every athlete knows that the best coach is one who's so hard on them that they torture them and, s and make them suffer like anything, right? And the athlete who's going to be a champion is going to stay with such a coach. And the athlete that just wants to be mediocre, he'll find somebody who's just very lenient and um, very uh, mild. So at the beginning, you're saying, my God, why are you doing this? You're torturing me and everything else. But in the end, you thank him, because you made me great. Huh? Not in the same way, but in a similar way. Maya is testing us and torturing us to make us strong. If we're sincere. If we're sincere, we'll stay with Krishna. Actually, it's Krishna working through Maya. We'll stick with Krishna, by all means, by all costs, and we'll learn how to be strong devotees. We'll learn how to really take shelter under any situation in life. Do you know what the time of death is like? If you cannot tolerate the inconveniences now, the time of death is the most mortal, painful situation conceivable. When the soul is being ripped out of its body, and all of the attachments and all the things we've identified with since time immemorial. It's a terrible experience from the physical level, from the mental level. And at that time, we have to learn how to cry out for Krishna. That's like the tournament. We have to train for that tournament. And if we want to come out successful, we have to be willing to accept the most rigorous training because that's what's required. Huh? So for a devotee, Maya is simply training us. Krishna is simply, Mayadhyakshena prakriti suyate satchadachanam. Krishna is simply manipulating Maya in such a way to train us up so that we can be very, very, very deep, internal, stalwart devotees of God. So that we know how to cry out for Krishna so that we know how to take shelter of Krishna, so we learn how to surrender to Krishna, and especially so we understand the need. So when these situations come, Maya is doing two things. She's testing your sincerity for Krishna consciousness to see whether you're worthy of this movement or not. I'm not talking about dressing, this is not the movement, but I'm talking about the movement of the heart toward Krishna. There are many people who appear to be in this movement who are not in this movement at all. And there are many people who appear not to be at all in this movement who are really in this movement. Because it's a movement of the heart toward Krishna. So she's simultaneously separating the sincere from the insincere by her great tests and tribulations that she put upon us. And she's also giving us the opportunity to become strong.
questions? Ami Maharaj, would you like to make any comments? He is our the leader of Kurukshetra Dham. So, Shukadev Maharaj was a fully licensed practicing doctor in America. He graduated in America. And he had the world in front of him. You know, a doctor in America, my God, with a graduation in America, he had just incredible amounts of money, prestige, everything, just standing at his, knocking on his door, begging to come into his life. Of course, we have many doctors who, they can best serve Krishna by being doctors, by living within society with families. That is great. But there's a need for everything. There's a need for all, there's a need for doctors of the soul too. He has brought hundreds of people to the lotus feet of Krishna. Why? Because he's, in his own humble and gentle way, he simply wants to be a doctor of the soul. <laughs> the people in this temple, there's not a single one of them who are simply coming because they want free japatis. Ninety-five percent of our congregation are devotees who, by the will of their Guru and Krishna, are maintaining their position in society and showing first-class example of how to be Krishna conscious, to live in this world but not of this world. Raise their children in Krishna consciousness, be responsible, offer the fruits of their action in the loving service of Krishna. Spread the glories of the holy name in that way. But according to the Shastra and according to all of the great Acharyas, there is also a need for some of these very, very first-class people of society to show the highest ways of renunciation. Simply to give every drop of their energy and life to, to society, to bring them up with no other distractions. simply to learn the scripture very carefully and to present it. And more than that, to present a, a life of utter simplicity and purity as an example for people to direct themselves. We have here Vishwarup. He's a doctor. He'll be a doctor. He's doing wonderful service. Mr. Ashok Sheti, you have met Hridayananda, Nathji was just here, big industrialists, they're being industrialists for Krishna. There's a need, there's a dire, great need for people to, 90% naturally, should stay within the Grihastha Ashram and be Krishna conscious and spread the glories of the Holy Name in that way. But for those rare few souls who really want to renounce and surrender everything simply for Krishna's, simply to be the humble servant of all classes of men, that is also a great contribution. Vrindavan Maharaj was a high-posted banker in the State Bank of Maharashtra. He had, the, he had a, he could be a wealthy man now. He sleeps on the floor and has a few pieces of cloth. 
to his name in, a, in some Tulsi beads. But if you go to Belgaum, there's doctors, there's lawyers, there's businessmen by the hundreds who are chanting the holy names, who are living pure lives. Why? Because he has separated everything else from his life so that he could preach to them. Shukadev Maharaj, American doctor. Now, Dr. Shri, when he goes to the colleges, they call him Dr. Shukadev. <laughs> They're right, they are correct. It's a doctor. He's treating, she is dispensing the medicine of the Hare Krishna mantra through all the diseased hearts of this world. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram. <clears throat> so in, in the real Krishna conscious society, everyone honors, recognizes and respects all the ashrams and varnas. We do not think, nobody should think I am better than you. I'm a grihasta, I'm responsible, I'm doing things in society, what are you guys doing? Get a job, make a living. This is inferior. Everyone should be like me. Or sannyasis and brahmacharis thinking, we're giving up everything for Krishna, you people are just immersed in all sorts of sense enjoyment. You have your homes, you have your wives, you have your children, you have sex, it's all maya. People are inferior. We don't want to touch you, look at you, or be anywhere near you. Huh? There is this ego. The Christians say, if you're not a Christian, you're going to hell. The Muslims are saying, if you don't accept Muhammad as the seal of all prophets, you're going to hell. It's the only way. The Jews are saying that if you're a Jew, you have a highly evolved soul. All other souls are low class. If you're not of our religion, you can't really attain understanding of the true God. And the Hindus, the Jagannath Puri, if you're not born in India and follow the Hindu tradition, you cannot come in our temple because you're a low-class malecha. You can never understand God and truth. You'll simply pollute the atmosphere. Huh? In this way, all the religions are thinking, we're the best, everyone else is nonsense. And of the Varnas, Grihastas think, we're responsible. We're doing good things in society. All these other people, they're just rejects. They're just wasting their time. And the Brahmacharis and the Sannyasis, they're thinking, look at all these sense enjoyers. They'll never go back to Godhead, associating with women and children and having jobs and talking about money all the time. Unless they join full time and be put on saffron, they're all going to hell. Everyone thinks like that. It's all ego. Krishna conscious society, real Sanatan Dharma, is to respect, adore, and, and, and love what each and every living being can do for Krishna according to their capacity. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught like this. Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, he told them, take sannyas, go to Vrindavan, write books, establish temples, and preach. 
Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, Ramananda Rai, Sivananda Sain, Adoita Charya, Srivas Thakur. They were all grihastas with children and houses and jobs. Stay in your position. Give a good example. Spread the glories of the holy name. Lord Chaitanya didn't see a difference between one and the other. They're both serving perfectly according to how they can best glorify God, according to their nature, according to their inclinations. And therefore, if you read the Chaitanya Charitamrita, you see a book of just utter love amongst the devotees for one another. Because every devotee is thinking that every other devotee is better than me. The grihastas should be thinking when they see the sannyasis and brahmacharis, I'm so attached, I wish I could be like them. And the brahmacharis and grihastas should think, if I was so responsible and expert as them, I could also have family and everything, but I'm so useless, better I just stay like this. In this way, everybody's taking a humble position and looking up to everybody else. Then there's love, then there's trust, and there's sweetness. And that love, trust, and sweetness amongst all the different classes of people within this Krishna conscious society is what is going to attract people more than anything we say. I don't know how I got off track. I just asked Shukadev to say something. He didn't say anything. <laughs> he didn't say anything, so I started saying it. Are you going to say something or not? <laughs> now that I've given a glorious introduction for you, you'll really break their hearts if you don't say something. <laughs> Seeing Maharaj is worth, said it's a picture's worth a thousand words. <laughs> By seeing his humility, he is speaking more than any of us. Srila Prabhupada Ki Thank you very much. <laughs>